Welcome to this special COVID-19 episode of the Caring Greatly podcast. As always, this podcast is focused on issues of leadership and humanity in healthcare. But during the COVID-19 crisis, we're focusing on the particular challenges raised by the novel coronavirus response. We've also shortened the format in recognition of the additional cognitive and emotional burden that leaders and care team members are experiencing. In today's episode, I'm talking with Dr. Bill Maples, President and Chief Executive Officer of the Institute for Healthcare Excellence. Dr. Maples was a practicing clinical oncologist and has held roles as Chair of Mayo Clinic Quality Committee at Mayo and Chief Quality Officer at Mission Health before founding the IHE. The IHE partners with healthcare organizations to nurture relational skills necessary to create a culture that embraces trust, respect, compassion, and teamwork, creating an environment where quality, safety, and efficiency can flourish. Welcome, Dr. Maples, and thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Liz. Great to be here. Glad to have you. You've been looking at challenges around healthcare culture, clinician well-being, process improvement, and trust since long before COVID-19 struck. What are the core challenges and what kinds of efforts and investment does it take to make meaningful improvements in those areas? Yeah, that's a really great question, Liz. And, and you know, I, I think uh, when I, when I uh, think about uh, the, the journey to um, clinician well-being, uh, the journey to process improvement and efficiency um, and creating the right culture, the right environment for our teams to work in, I think of it in terms of um, uh, peak performance. What do we need to do to actually help our individuals and our teams actually reach peak performance? Um, and there are three things that are, that are happening in that space. Um, uh, the first is uh, having the right processes, the right systems. Um, and how do we get that right? Um, um, the second piece that has to be in sync and congruency with all of this is uh, do we have the right technology? Do we have the technology that's actually going to help humanize healthcare and, and help our teams actually deliver the care that they aspire to deliver? And the third piece um, is, do we have the right culture? And so often we spend a lot of time focusing on process improvement, Lean Six Sigma, all critically important uh, or we may spend a lot of time and financial resources on technology that we're not even certain is going to humanize the care, but we really don't spend the time on really how do we create the right culture. We talk about creating the right culture, but the how-to um, is really the key piece that I think is missing and the biggest challenge. When you ask what's the biggest challenge, it's the biggest challenge of all of that, the well-being the efficiency piece. Um, how do we get to that peak performance? I, I, um, I had a, a clinician tell me today, Bill, um, you know, we, we worked so hard at process improvement and we were a well-oiled machine. But she said to me, we were a well-oiled machine just to be a well-oiled machine <laughs> and not really to serve the purpose of why we came. And it wasn't until we actually learned how we could create the culture that, that really connected us to our purpose, that even made a difference in terms of how well-oiled we were or we weren't. So how do you get to create that culture with intentionality as opposed to just seeing what comes out? Yeah, um, I think uh, the, the um, uh, several tiers to, to that. I, um, 
uh, I, I, many people think if we just do the process improvement work that are, that culture is built in there, and there are mm. little nuggets of cultural change in the process improvement work, but I think we need to uh, step back and, and look at how we're leading. Um, mm-hmm. um, and what we, what we refer to as human-centered leadership. How do leaders set the tone in the environment? How do they allow and give permission to themselves as well as their team members to step back and actually listen for the emotion and respond to the emotion and listen to understand um, rather than listening to react? Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and that's really critical. How do we actually help people reach that peak performance by what we've termed the coin as uh, feeding forward. Um, uh, and rather than feedback, feed forward, mm-hmm. how do we actually build on individual strengths? So how do you lead and create that environment is a set of skills that actually we think people might have, but it really takes a bit, a bit more work. Um, and um, so I think leadership is one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second piece of that is, is uh, investing in, in providing skills for all of the team members. How do I, as a team member, help myself thrive? How do I connect to my purpose? How do I connect to my team members? Um, and when you put that mixture of team members having the skills to connect, relate, and thrive in an environment created by leaders that is human-centered, that's your, that's your drive to make a culture that is built around trust, respect, uh, and compassion and brings to life that well-oiled machine. I think that's so critical to, to recognize, A, that there's a leadership role, but B, that there are skills that people can learn and that we don't necessarily, we skill up around clinical uh, procedures, we skill up around using technology, we skill up around the processes. But the idea, I think a lot of people overlook that idea of skilling up around um, relational and, and emotional and trust building kinds of activities. Yeah, Liz, I just want to capitalize on what you just said. You know, we, we do spend a lot of time, you know, on skilling up for everything. There's not a single thing we do in medicine without, in this day, a chance to practice in a simulation lab or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the single thing that we do that is most important is connecting to our teams and to our patients. Um, and we do need to invest in those skills because we think inherently that we just have them, but that's not the case. That's great insight. So looking at COVID-19 specifically, um, the response to the epidemic has introduced a lot of new stresses, ranges from direct fears for physical safety, right? Do I have the right PPE? Clinicians are working outside of their specialty area, which causes uncertainty and, and, um, you know, cognitive burden. There are financial losses for both individuals and institutions, and even some heightening of either tension or trust between leadership and frontline team members, depending on how communication is happening and what have you. What is it going to take to heal the trauma of COVID-19 and move toward a culture of thriving? Um, yeah, I, I, it, the, the whole question, Liz, gives me pause because I, um, having worked in the space of uh, clinician burnout, um, trying to reach that other end of the spectrum, thriving and resiliency, even before COVID-19, we had a lot of challenges. Um, yeah. 
And I think they're going to be even deeper now as we enter in the post-pandemic era, um, which is in front of us. Um, one of the things that, um, that uh, to sort of start my thinking around this, um, uh, one of the things that impressed me when I talked to clinicians on the front line and hotspots of the country is this incredible sense of coming together now. Uh, there's a common enemy that's actually um, in front of all of us, and it really connects us to our purpose. Um, and, and when I asked individuals what has really helped keep that team together, even in the setting of all these uncertainties, the lack of you know, the necessary protective equipment, resoundingly, this comes, it came back to, I really have appreciated the fact that our leadership team has listened to understand. They listened to truly help us. And in doing so, they actually created a sense of autonomy, which is another key aspect of reaching thriving. Um, and they clearly singled that that was the key thing that's been critical to keep their team together. So when you said, when you ask what's going to be necessary, it's going to be that piece. How do we lead? Because mm -hmm. when that common enemy goes away, meaning the viral challenges um, diminish, as we hope they do, um, there are going, for all the reasons you mentioned, the financial burdens, the, the furloughing of staff, um, what's happening to my clinic, what's happening to the financial health of the organization, they're all going to be magnified. Um, and how we lead through that and, and create a sense of trust and respect within our teams is going to be critical to navigating uh, the, the, uh, the challenge in front of us. Um, you know, to start this work um, without investing in that piece of building trust, mm -hmm. um, building respect, is almost going to be a dead end for everything else to come. We can set up specialty um, uh, behavioral health clinics to help the people that are challenged, all important. We can, we can look at, you know, looking at trimming the, uh, with the financial burdens, doing a bit more of the uh, redesign work um, and trying to get efficiencies. Uh, we can look at bringing technology in to really help us with the process. We can look at refining telehealth um, but all of that comes at the cost of redesigning the system. And if we try to do all of that without building the trust and respect of our teams, it's going to be a dead end. So to me, that's the first thing. And then we do have to double down and think about what technology will help us humanize the care and get us back to that sense of purpose, not further away from that sense mm -hmm. of purpose. We have to ask about what work can we do to really redesign our processes, that back to that process, technology, and culture. What work can really be done to redesign it? But let's not do it just to have a well-oiled machine. Let's do it with the sense of having a well-oiled machine while we're incorporating the emotions that go behind that so that we truly can deliver that human-centered care. It's going to be a doubling down of everything that we needed to do uh, before the pandemic. It's going to have to be that in sort of double strength formula. Are you optimistic that can happen? 
I'm, I'm optimistic, Liz, that we have the capacity for that to happen. Um, I've uh, had the privilege of working with several health systems and um, some of them entered work in this space really as a high functioning you know, unit and team. Uh, and they, they, um, um, their reflections after their work says, we thought we were good, but now when we talk about our team, we know where we, we finally reached where we want it to be. And, and we, we probably never reached where we totally want to be. And so I've seen it happen over and over and over again. And that gives me optimism. Um, um, if, I, if I was going into this um, thinking, you know, gee, we don't know where to start, which is a lot of, that's where a lot of organizations are. We, they may recognize it, but they say, where do we start? If I didn't know that there is a roadmap, um, uh, I would maybe be less optimistic, but I'm optimistic because of that. My concern um, in terms of balancing that optimism is, will our leaders um, pause and, and say, we're gonna need to think about doing this work and, and, and really designate the resources that are necessary for the work to be successful. And the good part about that is, is that it doesn't take a tremendous amount of resources to make this happen, but it takes some. And right. we, need to, we, need to get our, we need to get our foot planted so we can, can move along the journey. I think that's a really great call to action for leaders and, and reminds me of your idea of instead of feeding back, so not going back to status quo, feeding forward of looking to the opportunity that's inherent in disruption to create something new and better. Uh, I love that. So I know we're still in the midst of the, the crisis, but are there any lessons learned already that you hope will shape the way we think about healthcare in the future? Um, you know, I, I think I've highlighted a few uh, as we've been talking, but I, I um, I, if I had to sort of um, uh, really prioritize those lessons, number one, how we lead, how we listen, how we listen to understand, how we listen for the emotional tone. We're, we're all, not, not all, but many are taking temperatures when they walk uh, of their staff as they walk into uh, their clinics, their hospitals. Uh, but let's take the emotional temperature. Let's pause for a moment and take the emotional temperature. And that takes a separate set of skills for leaders at all levels of the organization to be able to do that. That's the first thing that I would say. Once we've, once we've done that, um, let's um, have the skills to actually build that trust and really respond to each other as, as, as human beings doing a very complex uh, job in a complex setting. Um, and sometimes um, there's nothing more that we can do but, but, to, um, but to really listen and, and to really address the emotions. Even though we may not have a solution, that in and of itself can be really powerful. Um, and, and then last, uh, as we listen and as we learn the skills to lead, this whole uh, idea that burnout is the inability to experience positive emotions and thriving is just the opposite of that, that thriving is the ability to tap into positive emotions frequently in small doses. Those are the skills that we really have to, to learn because we leave so many opportunities behind during a given day in healthcare that so many things that we could be tapping into positive emotions, they just go right by us. Um, and, 
that's how we need to step back and lead differently so that with all of the challenges, um, we can actually get our teams to that space of thriving and that space of being able to be to recover from whatever is 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 coming at them day by day. That's the secret. It's time now to not to stop talking about it and to actually learn how to do that. Um, and we can't just ask our teams to do it. We actually have to help them and give them the right skills to be able to do it. Thank you so much for sharing that. You have certainly tapped into my positive emotions. I'm feeling like there's so much opportunity here. Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. I'm glad to spend the, the afternoon with you, Liz. Glad to spend it with you as well. We'll continue with special COVID-19 episodes of the Caring Greatly podcast for the foreseeable future. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and rate us on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or Spotify, or you can find links to all of our episodes at bocera.com slash podcast. This is Liz Bohm. Thank you for caring greatly. Thank you.